0: You to turn in your Pew Bibles then to that account of the wise man, foolish man. Sermon text is going to be from Matthew or from Psalm 127, but uh, hear God's Word um, from Matthew 7. That's on page 812 of our Pew Bibles. As you're turning there, um, one of my prayers and others have been praying that the Lord would continue to use our church. As a, a witness, a gospel witness in our community, so thankful for that. With the pregnancy center and using our women um, in that ministry, praising the Lord for uh, the FCA day camp for using Jason. Continue to be praying uh, for these these ministries. Continue to pray for opportunities uh, to reach out and appreciate your prayers for me. Had a uh, Two good doctor's reports this past week. Still trying to balance medications, but uh, thank you for your prayers. Uh, Hear God's word. Matthew 7, verse 21 and following. uh, Hear the word of God. This is Jesus speaking uh, to his followers. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it amen to this reading of god's holy and divinely inspired word Uh, the grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for Christ. That solid rock, that rock in the wilderness, Father. Lord, may we be building our our lives on Christ. Day by day, step by step, by your grace and for your glory. Lord, guard us against building our our lives, our houses on sand, the wood, hay, and stubble of this world, possessions, prestige, power, whatever it might be. Pray that as we study your word together, Lord, um, that you would be guiding our steps, growing us in our Love for Jesus, growing us in our understanding of Christ's love for us at the cross. In whose name we pray. Amen. The word vain is not a common word in today's coffee shop conversations. I know Carl talked about a, a pop song from the birds, so, in that same vein, V-E-I-N, you might remember the word vain, V-A-I-N, from a Carly Simon hit song from 1972, and no, I'm not going to sing it, and no, you don't have to hear all of the words, but just the, the chorus. You're so vain, you probably think this song is about you, you're so vain, I bet you think this song is about you, don't you, don't you? Question as to who she wrote this song about? A lot of speculation. Uh, that's the first definition of vain. You know, vain is is having or showing a an excessively high opinion of yourself. You know, you're you're proud of yourself. You're vain, like a peacock. Uh, but there's a second definition of that word, vain. V a i n, and and we. You know, here in Psalm one twenty seven, invite you to keep your Bibles open. Uh, you see that word "vain" used three times, and here in Psalm one twenty seven, it, it carries the definition of "quote producing no result, useless, futile." You know, it, we read that word. Vain, you know, three times in the first two verses. Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early. Right there, you can see, you know, one of the purposes of this psalm in God's word, this psalm of ascent, is to warn us, Uh, against living life in vain. Life without a purpose. A life that is useless, meaningless, empty. You know, at the very least, as we go through Psalm 127, it it teaches us that there are only two ways, you know, we can live our lives. You know, we, we can live our lives... For our own glory, our own self-fulfillment, our own satisfaction. You know, live life in vain, as we heard in that song. Or, we can live our life for the Lord's glory. That means that we live our lives by faith in our covenant-keeping God who loves us in Christ short psalm again here the psalm of ascent and and uh, the the theme the biblical theme here is this all of life becomes vain unless christians live for the lord's glory all of life becomes vain unless we live for the lord's glory how then can christians be living for the lord's glory Just two truths this psalm breaks down very easily. Verses 1 and 2, we see that we are called to be building a life of faith. And then in verses 3 through 5, building a family of faith. Uh, Let's begin there with that. Building a life of faith for the Lord's glory. Again, uh, to give an overview here of Psalm 127, it's the eighth of the Psalms of Ascent. You know the middle one of fifteen psalms, seven before, seven following uh, this psalm. Uh, it, it's considered the apex psalm or or the pinnacle psalm. Uh, some would even say it, it's the the central psalm of the Psalms of Ascent. They're all important, all significant. Uh, but we should uh, especially focus here on, on Psalm 127. You know, it's a pinnacle psalm for believers on their pilgrimage of faith to Mount Zion to worship and remember. With the Psalms of Ascent, ultimately, our, our goal, our, our destination, is to be home in glory with Christ. You know, Charles Spurgeon called Psalm 127 quote the Builder's Psalm. Every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. You look there at the top there, it's a song, a psalm of Solomon. Only one other psalm by Solomon here in the book of Psalms, Psalm 72. You know, who was Solomon? Uh, To refresh our memories, he was the third king of Israel, Saul, David, and then Solomon. He was indeed a wise leader. Ask the Lord for wisdom. It was Solomon who who built the beautiful temple. The Lord kept David from building it. Solomon built the temple. Solomon also built his own grand house as well. Solomon as well, interesting in a psalm about family, children, uh, we remember. Scripture tells us that Solomon had 700 wives. For you men, imagine trying to remember all those anniversary dates, birthday dates. 300 concubines, a host of children, more than a quiver full of children. It was Solomon who wrote Song of Solomon that we've been studying in Sunday school. Solomon who presumably wrote Ecclesiastes that we're studying now. You know, but but it's, it's God's truth here about building a life of faith. And uh, look there beginning at verse 1. You know, Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. You know, the Lord guides, that's the first truth. The Lord guides the building, uh, not only of homes, of temples, but more importantly, the, the Lord guides the building of, of families, of churches, of our own walk of faith with Christ. You know, unless the Lord builds, except the Lord builds, you know, the Lord uh, our faithful covenant keeping god when you see that title for god don't don't fast forward over it you know it, it's a significant title for the lord he's faithful he's a covenant keeping god the great i am who revealed himself to moses there in the burning bush in exodus 3 it's the lord who who builds the house you know, and keep in mind, this is Solomon saying this, Solomon who, who tended towards pride, and yet here he is very humbly, gladly acknowledging, you know, unless the Lord builds a house, unless the Lord builds a temple, unless the Lord builds our home and our walk of faith with Christ, unless the Lord builds a house you know different ways that word house is used in scripture yes it is used for for physical homes uh, the house of Simon the tanner and ax uh, the house can the term house could also refer to a family's bloodline you know like the house of david but more specifically you know here a house is a place where god dwells with all of his radiant glory and rich grace to us in in Christ. You know, here scripture comforts us with this gospel truth, the Lord builds our house. So often we feel inadequate, ignorant, you know, Lord, what do I do next in my walk of faith? You know, here at the very beginning of this psalm of, of pilgrimage, unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor in vain, you know those but those who seek to build their families, their homes, their careers, even Christ's church, without a living faith in their loving heavenly Father, quickly learn that they labor in vain, no spiritual fruit. you ever had that happen? You're working on something. And you've spent time, energy, labor, sweat, you know, and it it doesn't work out. The cake burns or something you're building, you know, collapses. It's laboring in vain. Only futile labor. It's frustration. You know, I believe we see that in the world around us. Many frustrated people today. And, And why is that? Because the Lord is not building their homes. They, they, they think, I can do this myself. Call you when I need you, Lord. It, even Christians can be guilty of that. The Lord guides. Uh, the Lord guards. Look again at verse 1. Unless the Lord watches over or guards the city, protects the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You now presumably the city here is Jerusalem. Remember they're they're making their pilgrimage uh, up to the city of Jerusalem there they will worship the Lord on one of the annual feasts. And every walled city in, in Israel would have watchmen, you know, standing on the walls on the watchtowers. Protecting that city from invaders, warning uh, against a pending attack. Usually, night watchmen. But but here we learn that the sovereign Lord safeguards his city. You know, and extending city there. You know, the, the Lord safeguards his church, his blood bought church. You know, the Lord safeguards his community of faith in Christ, covenant families, covenant children. You know, that's the Lord's promise to us here. But unless the Lord watches over the city, the ones on duty to watch the city stand guard in vain. Again, that, that word, futilely, uselessly, with frustration. You know, they're awake You know, they're on duty, but their watch is futile. The enemy will break into the city and cause destruction. They'll wonder, why did I even bother standing here, staying awake all night? I could have been at home in bed. You know, here God's word gently cautions us as Christians that we must pray for the Lord's watch care over his gathered people. It's a call to pray that the Lord would watch over even our city. I know that there is frustration among many you know, over circumstances around us, but we are called to pray. We learned that there in Romans, to pray for all of our political leaders, to pray for our educators, to pray for our, those who serve on the police force, our firefighters, our judges, you know, even pray for our city workers. The Lord guides, the Lord guards, but the Lord gives. Look now at verse 2, getting even more personal. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. You know, it is in vain. You know, third time. You know, that we hear that word vain. It's futile. It's useless. Meaningless. You know, well, um, unless the Lord is at work. You know, it's futile when we think we can build our lives without the Lord in our work schedules, our careers, even in our sleep habits. A poem, short poem by Edna St. Vincent Millay, 1921. Not a believer, but hear the poem. My candle burns at both ends. It will not last the night. But ah, my foes and oh, my friends, it gives a lovely light. You know, that's the way many people live life. You know, burn the candles at both ends, especially when you're young. Oh, I can do it all. Stay up all night, have a good time all night, and still get up for work in the morning. Uh, but it doesn't go away with youth. It, it, that uh, temptation still infects us all. Well, why would one rise early? And think here of a rising, you know, either at dawn or before dawn, first light. For work, staying up after everyone goes to bed. You know, here the implication is, you know, if, if I work hard, I will reap abundantly. You know, if I, you know, whether it's at home in the workplace, I can do it myself. I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps. You know, if I study hard enough. You know what? And and it's good to study. It's good to work hard. Scripture is not diminishing that. But it's working. Rising early, going to bed late, without regard for the Lord. Why are you doing this? Are you doing it to get a bigger paycheck, or just get a better grade, just to impress your friends, family? Or are you living your life for the glory of God? And what's the result? You will eat the bread of anxious toil. You know, you'll still be worried. You'll still be frustrated. Life will still seem meaningless. Eating the bread of anxious toil, eat the bread of painful labors is the way the New American Standard puts it. You know, but think of God's curse upon Adam, you know, after his sin. Adam and Eve's sin there in the Garden of Eden. We read this, hear this, Genesis 3:19. God says to Adam, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. You'll work, but it, there'll be frustration. At times your work will seem meaningless, and it's because of sin. And we still see that t- today. But hear the Lord's gracious promise, you know, if you want, you can underline it, for he gives to his beloved sleep. He gives to his beloved sleep. A little play on words. That word beloved was the name of Solomon, Jedidiah. Now You can read it in 2 Samuel 12, 25. You can ask Lynn. That's what I wanted to name our son. Jedediah, call him Jed for short, but I was overruled on that one. Um, you know, every believer is beloved in Christ. He gives to his beloved that—that's you and me. You know, we can lay down, as we're told elsewhere in the Psalms, we can lay down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O oh Lord, make me to dwell in safety. He gives. It said, Alec Motier says, his gift of restfulness is the exact antidote to our capacity for anxiety. You know, think of Jesus. You know, he was asleep in the stern of the boat. What was going on? Wind, wave, storm, disciples got worried, and Jesus is calmly sleeping. I'm sure that drove them crazy. And what did they do? They they woke Jesus up. And yes, Jesus calmed the storm you know, there there's a verse, one more verse here, Colossians chapter one, verse thirteen Colossians chapter one verse thirteen you know we can sleep, you know because we are the lord's beloved colossians one thirteen he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. You know, we are God's beloved, loved in Christ. And so this is the promise for for Christians. He gives to his beloved sleep. I was thinking about the sermon. Maybe one Sunday I'd like to preach on all that the Scripture teaches about sleep. A lot of verses there. You know, and it's an important part. You know, the, we, are, we are to build our lives in faith upon the Lord for the Lord's glory. And, and one of the fruits of that is, is sleep at night. You know, you, you've done what the Lord has called you to do that day. You can lay down at night, you know, without worry, frustration, anger, bitterness, whatever it might be, and sleep. At the night. You know, what other instructions does the Bible give us about building a life of faith? I don't want to preach two sermons, but there, Matthew 7, verse 21 through 29, just a few highlights. It's one of the first parables that parents, Sunday school teachers, often teach children. You know, and and just a, a few points, even for us as adults. You know, two times there in Matthew 7, you know, Jesus talks about hearing. Verse 24 of Matthew 7, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. And then again, verse 26, this is about the foolish man. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. They both hear. One obeys, builds his house on the Lord, trusts the Lord in life for all the circumstance. The other one hears as well, you know, and he, he goes off on its own merry way, does not obey. I can do it better than the Lord. I know better than the Lord. And you know what happens to that house built on sand. You know, we are to build our houses in faith upon Christ. That that will endure uh, the trials, tribulations, the storms, the distresses of life. The only solid foundation of faith in, in life is Christ. Another verse, 1 Corinthians 3.11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.11. I almost thought we, we could have sung it this morning. It's not in our Trinity hymnal. I know many of you know it. You know, the wise man built his house upon the rock. You know, and that, that house... Stood strong. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The house came a-tumbling down. And what's the last part? So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of theology in in that verse there. Gospel truth. And so the question is, are are we, are you, am I building my life upon the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, what does that look like? told the children. True for us as well. The Lord guides us by his word, and as we seek his face in prayer, the Lord guards our walk of faith. Isn't that good to know? You know, the the Lord has our backside, and he goes in front of us on both sides of us. You know, he gives us rest. You know, there's the gospel there and those first two verses of psalm 127 the lord graciously brings us to saving faith in christ he graciously builds our life it's his grace that will bring us home to glory building a life of faith for the lord's glory that that's a first truth and the second still important but we'll move through it more quickly we are to be building a life of faith on the Lord for the Lord's glory, verses three through five, building a family of faith for the Lord's glory. And here, I believe Scripture refers not only to physical, biological children, you know, mothers and fathers by blood. You know, He's talking about spiritual families. You know, children of faith in, in the Lord. It's both ends. But let's dig in. Um, Opalmer Robertson writes about the psalm. This psalm speaks of the house that Yahweh Jehovah builds, the city that Yahweh guards, and the sons that are Yahweh's reward. You know, again, it teaches us about children, the fruit of the womb, the full quivers, covenant families, covenant childrens. But this psalm as well teaches us about Christ, His church. And about us as as children of the Heavenly Father. You know, five truths. Uh, These are going to be rapid fire here. As we're building a family of faith, the first truth is this. The gift of children. Verse 3, behold. Anytime you see that word in Scripture, it ought to grab your attention. If you've been nodding off, sleeping, sleeping. I know that never happens in church, but that word behold, hear, see, learn, you know, but behold, children, plural, are a heritage, a reward from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a a reward. Children are not our crowning achievement, rather they are God's gracious gifts, to mothers and fathers. This is true even for non-Christian parents, common grace. Spurgeon again helps us here. He writes, he, that is God, gives children, not as a penalty nor as a burden, but as a favor. Think of uh, two-year-olds, teenagers, He gives children, not as a penalty, not as a burden, but as a favor, a sign of his grace. The the gift of children, the glory of pregnancy, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Every pregnancy is a gift from God, whether it's given to a believer, unbeliever, single mother, any race, any financial background, the fruit of the womb, a reward. You know, even babies in the womb display God's glorious work of creation and his gracious plan of salvation. Walter Kaiser put it this way, the conception of a single child is wholly the work of God. You know, just every day, illustration, you know, pastorally and then with my own wife, Lynn, you know how with pregnant mothers, expectant mothers, you know, after they get through the tough first days and weeks, you know, their their face is radiant. You know, you, you can look at, at a woman and and see that they're expectant. They're we had a woman in our first church, you didn't use the word pregnant, you used the word they are with child. Um, still like that expression, but, um, you know, circle want Psalm 127.3 or underline it in your Bible. You know, this glorious gospel truth is still under savage attack, even in 2022, even after the overturning of Roe versus Wade. You know, it, it's not just a legal thing. It's a cultural thing. Children are diminished, belittled. Uh, let's change their gender. You know, let's, you know, fill their mind with all sorts of crazy things. That's what the world says. You know, And I would even encourage you to memorize this first. Encourage me to memorize it. You, you see parents with a, with a family. You see an expectant mother. You can encourage them, say, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. It's a good thing. You know, praise God. Um, You're you're caring this child. You're parenting children. That glory of pregnancy, guidance for parents, verse 4. A little challenging verse here speaks of Arrows of warriors used in relation to children. Why? You know, for those of you who have done any archery, it's been a long time, but, you know, for an arrow to hit the target, to start with, that that arrow must be straight. You know, a crooked arrow, a bent arrow, will never hit the target. You know, and there it speaks to our our role as parents to help raise our children in righteousness and love for the Lord, so that they would be, you know, that that straight arrow, that God honoring arrow. But you know, the emphasis here is on the warrior. You know, again, for archery, you know, the, the arrow can't hit that target by itself. You know, it, it takes a warrior. He carefully places, you know, that that arrow. You know, in the bow, you know, puts the knock in the bowstring, string, you know, back in the old days. You know, you pull back the bowstring, string, still holding on to the arrow. The warrior aims, puts his eye on the target, you know, and, and if that arrow is to hit the target, the bullseye, it's because of, you know, that straight arrow. Again, the parents who have raised that child and the, the warrior That's what it calls parents here. We're in spiritual warfare. You know, shoots that straight arrow, you know, to the glory of God. You know, godly fathers and mothers prayerfully make sure their children, their arrows, are straight in their walk of faith with Christ. That's a daily thing. You know, secondly, you know, we don't hold on to arrows. Well, this arrow will be safe if I just keep it in my hand. You know, what's the purpose of that arrow? It's to be shot, you know, to hit the target or, you know, if you're hunting game, you know, that that arrow has a purpose, a God-given purpose. You know, parents with faith place the arrows in the bow, let them purposely fly on their way to God's providential target. You know, and uh, there, at the end, you know blessed are the children of one's youth they're they're a blessing even at at young age, you know they continue to be a blessing as they grow, and as a parent's age, you know guidance for parents, fourth, there's gospel gladness. You know, a number of words that stand out here in this psalm, and and one of the final ones here is blessed, you know, happy, joyful, glad is is the man, the, the mother, you know, who fills his quiver with them. You know, in seminary, you know, had a lot of friends who were still having many children. The question was always, how many arrows does it take to fill a quiver? Note here, the Bible does not tell us. You know, maybe maybe it's one child that fills the quiver. No children. Two children. Maybe 14 children are there. Um, you know, but blessed, you know, is the one who fills their quiver. It's a good thing. You know, not only when God blesses family, but, but a church. You know, it was part of a church one time that didn't want children. Don't let those crying babies into the church. Don't let those little kids run around. You know, that, that church closed down. You know, we, we we love God's children. We instruct God's children. We embrace them as part of God's covenant family. You know, blessed, happy, you know, is the man, the family, the church, he sh- finally there. You know that third G is gate, gift of children, glory of pregnancy, guidance for parents, gospel gladness, gate. This one's challenging as well that that man will not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. As you read through scripture, the, the, the city gate was a place where the elders met, the uh, judicial officials, the political leaders. They had a lot of discussions back and forth. They rendered judicial decisions. and uh, And so when... You know, a church, a family raises these children, sees them grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord when they meet there at the gate. um, You know, he will not be put to shame. You know, he will be honored, commended uh, for carrying on the Lord's kingdom work. Then their grown children will defend them. You know, close with this, a lot there in Psalm 127. You know, in two of the churches where I've pastored, we've had building projects. One church, it was uh, the whole deal. Built a sanctuary, classrooms, nurseries, restrooms, offices. You know, and it was completed in another church, actually the church where I served before you all called me here. Uh, We started building a new fellowship hall, much needed, new classroom, again, new restrooms, and uh, a kitchen, a nicely covered porch. You know, in both building projects, we kept asking the question and and good questions, and the the question was this, you know, why are we building? You know, it's a good question for Christians to ask, not only physical building projects, why are we building or we could say how are we building or what are we building you know and the answer was this we're building for the glory of God and for the spread of the gospel you know that that's a question that parents can ask about their families we're building our family for the glory of God the spread of the gospel it's a question we can ask here at Hope Church what what are we doing what are we seeking to build you know we're seeking to build to the glory of God, seeking to build for the spread of the gospel, a building in faith for the Lord's glory. You know, may the Lord build his church here, his covenant families, his children, all for the glory of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again uh, for the, the truth of your word. We thank you for the the proclamation of the gospel that we can hear even in Psalm 127, Lord. We need you to build our homes, to guard our cities, to grow our families, to grow your church, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for our vanity, for our pride. May we humbly uh, keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. May we be about our Father's business, Father, Lord. Of seeing you build your kingdom by your glory and for your great and by your grace in Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.